Welcome to the Fish Nerds, the show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. Hi, I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd of the Fishing Podcast, Licensed Fishing Guide, and I am super happy to have uh, everyone listening. We are creeping in on, I guess, almost 10 episodes away from our 200th episode, uh, Big Shebang. We're planning a big event on the water for that one, so stay tuned for details where we're going to have invite listeners to come record that podcast on a pontoon boat on the worst lake in uh, in the whole state of New Hampshire, Silver Lake, so we can have the Suck It Silver Lake cruise ship going out, uh, and we can make a podcast while we're there. So stay tuned for details on that coming up in May. Doc Martin's coming to come out and, and visit us for that uh, show. We're going to probably get Captain Sean in. I haven't asked him yet, and other characters you know. Uh, if, we're any, if we're lucky, we can at least get Andrew Lewin in over Skype or FaceTime, because he's stuck up in Canada where it will still be frozen. Andrew here today with us from the Speak Up for Blue podcast. Welcome, Andrew Lewin, host, founder, Speak Up for Blue, and self-proclaimed oceanpreneur. Welcome, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you very much. I love that intro. That's awesome. Yeah. That trip sounds wonderful. I would love to, to join in by phone or however we could... Uh, FaceTime or whatever we can do. That'd be we, awesome. we own the technology. We just need to yeah, use it. Exactly. So it'll be fun. <laughs> it'll be really fun. And you could tell us what we're doing wrong for the environment by running a pontoon boat out on a lake. <laughs> so <laughs> Andrew's like my conscience. Like every yeah, so yeah, often, yeah. he'll check in with like an environmental thing and I'm like, oh, yeah, I better be nicer to the world. I'll have, like a, I'll have a gavel or something and just be like, no, that's oh. wrong. That's wrong. Oh, you could be our environmental. We can hold environmental court. Uh, yeah. On the boat, I love that idea. So I think, tr- I think the trick now, though, is for environmentalists is not to judge as much and just to kind of like let people know, you know, like I yeah. wouldn't do that if I were you, or not to like you're awful. How how dare you? That's that's the that's kind of switch we try to make now. Well, you know, it, it has to come from incremental and small changes. This whole right. notion of we need to stop doing everything turns people off because they know they realize that everything they do is wrong. They're using plastics, they're drinking yep. water from a water bottle, they're using straws, they're yep. killing sharks. Whatever it happens to be, dial it down a little bit. You know, let exactly. them kill something, let them use some plastics, uh, but then kind of slowly ease them into that conservation model. Absolutely. Um, which is Absolutely. really good. So, hey, welcome uh, welcome to the show. Before we begin, though, I have to do an advertising because that's how we make money on the podcast. So this episode is brought to you by Health IQ. Health IQ is the life insurance company for people uh, who live a health-conscious lifestyle, like runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, environmentalists, and more. I add that for you, Andrew. I like that. Um, 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance uh, if you want to find out if you can save, go to healthiq.com slash FNP, Fish Nerds Podcast, uh, and see if you qualify. It's a quiz. I took the quiz last week, Andrew, and within 30 seconds of finishing the quiz, I was on the phone with a representative from the company uh, asking me some more questions to see if I qualified. I'm not going to tell you the results because uh, I am a little overweight right now. So it really is important that for this, you get in. You, If you're a healthy person, you've got to make sure you do this. So... They did give me an offer that was better than my current life insurance. So uh, it is there. You know what I feel for, especially for the U.S., I feel like it's, it's in your best interest as a, hum- as a person and, and for your family to be in shape. Because as the older you get, <laughs> you and I know, the older we get, the, the worse the health problems get, the harder it is to recover from injuries and this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And then you're, all of a sudden, you're shelling out money for, for medical bills and they get crazy high my dad was in life uh did um, health insurance for people who go on vacation and the amount of things that people like here in canada to to pay like overnight because of a heart attack and you pay like ten thousand to a hundred thousand dollars a day you're just like jesus like that's ridiculous you know in, in terms of that so it's it's worthwhile making sure you're healthy to get that it is, it is and and yeah so stay if you're healthy stay healthy and go to health iq uh, dot com slash FNP and uh, save on your life insurance. Very important. You got a family, right? I do. I, I do assume you have family. life insurance, right? 
I have life insurance. Yeah. Yeah. You need it because when you die, your kids need a car. So (laughs) (laughs) the the trick is here for for what I do is I keep it high enough that my kids and and wife will be fine after I'm gone, but low enough to lower the incentive for my wife to to off me. Right. You don't don't want your life insurance to outvalue you. (laughs) Hmm, a $2.5 million. I like you, Andrew, but do I love $2.5 million? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. All right. So that's our our ad. And if you want to advertise with the Fish Nerds, just email clay at fishnerds.com. We'll get you in the queue. Uh, We do have a couple slots open uh, after this week's episode. So uh, check it out. All right, Andrew. So you make a podcast. I do. And you've been on the Fish Nerds podcast several times. You used to do a segment called Speak Up for the F in Blue, which we miss. I know. Uh, And we're always, yeah, we should do that. And we're happy to see you. So, um, just kind of give us a little bit of an overview of your podcast. Give us the elevator pitch. Yeah. Essentially what I do is I try and make people aware of what's happening in ocean conservation worldwide. So I cover not only the U S Canada, Mexico, North America, Europe, but all everything is happening in the Pacific and the Southeast Pacific in Australia, all over the Great Barrier Reef, all of the things. Uh, follow the news. I update people on the news. And essentially the whole point is to bring awareness. I interview people too who are doing like amazing things uh, for seafood and sustainable, say sustainability and all these different projects, restoration and working with communities and all that kind of stuff, just to make people aware of what's happening in the ocean beyond what we see in the mainstream media, beyond just, oh, another shark attacks somebody and tries to kill everybody, so we're going to kill all the sharks. Well, no, we could dive deeper into to those types of stories and tell what's really behind the science and the conservation. And the idea is to do this to help people live for a better ocean. So the whole goal is you know what's going on out there. So now you know, now you have that on your conscience, like, okay, I can reduce my single-use plastic. I could make sure when I go to buy seafood, I'm buying sustainable seafood and stuff like that. And you've been on the podcast a couple of times, and it's been wonderful. We had a whole sustainable seafood uh, interview, and it was great to learn about that project you were a part of. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just making people aware of what's happening, because I, I used to get frustrated all the time as a scientist talking to friends and family who had no idea what was happening with the ocean. And, and it was one of those things where I was like, well, of course they don't because we're all competing with news and what the Kardashians are doing today and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you need to figure out what, what's going on in our, but, you know, if you can get the Kardashians on your podcast, I would never do it. No, do it because they can bring attention. They like you can, attention. you can, and, and the attention, you know, you might bring over, you know, a couple of thousand new people and yeah. a handful of them you might reach with your message. So That's I, true. don't don't shy away from from the Kardashians and they are fun to look at. So <laughs> you know what? I hear you there. I think I would have, you know, I, I, had, I, I said I had a podcast where I said something about Miley Cyrus because she mm-hmm. did a big thing. She she traveled with uh, Carl Safina. Do you know? Uh, have you heard of Carl Safina? I've heard, but you have to remind me who that person okay. is. Carl Safina is a scientist, an ocean scientist, been doing this for decades. But he's also an avid fisherman, and uh, so he's very about. He's very uh, he 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 professes sort of like sustainable fishing and and just conservation in general. But he's probably what we would call an ocean celebrity. He's like the 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 guy you look up to, like a mentor type thing. Um, and I had him on the podcast, and he did a trip out on the on the uh, west coast of BC to save the wolves. And there's a coastal population of wolves out there, and they were going to increase. The gov- BC government was going to open up hunting for them. And that's that's bananas. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people didn't want to. And these 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 wolves are are special, especially the coastal ones, because they actually go in the ocean and actually eat stuff out of the ocean. No it's kidding. Really, yeah, it's really it's really seafood wolves. I see a whole story there. I need to make. A oh man, it's amazing. Yeah. I'll send you some stories. But um, and so he he was part of this this crew. Do you think they I taste know. better since they eat lobsters oh, yeah. and shrimps and things? You know. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> it's interesting. It would be a different taste for sure. But yeah. I don't know if I'd ever eat them. Well, I'll tell you the problem. I'm gonna I'm gonna sidetrack you for a second and yeah. get you back to this. The problem with the hunting of the coyotes and the wolves and all that is, and I don't have a problem hunting is is no one's eating them. Mm-hmm. It, it's sport killing and that's yeah. the bananas thing to me like i don't get that and whether it's fishing or anything else the, the sport part eat is it. the part i don't connect with you're gonna kill it eat it, eat it. Uh, exactly. and then i and then i can you can make a case for it other than that i, I lose entirely I so back agree. to your guy here yeah. so yeah so carl is out there and, and you know bringing a lot of attention and then all of a sudden the people that were that brought him out to do this um brought out miley cyrus which was like a last minute thing. All of a sudden she comes out. Now this is during her days where she wasn't as popular, you know, and <laughs> you're calling it. 
Okay, so take me back to Ocean Carl uh, and, and your interview with him. Yeah, so, so Carl went out, got invited out by this group. That was you don't call him Ocean Carl? No. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Carl Safina. Safina sounds like sailing. I always it does. It, it kind of it works for him. It's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Uh, but anyway, he's out. You know, he got invited out there. And then uh, Miley Cyrus gets invited out by the same group. And I think they just reached out to her over Instagram. And she's actually a big uh, environmentalist. And so they didn't expect her to say yes, but all of a sudden she te- she texts the backs or DM the back and they're like, I'm in. And they're like, wow, okay, great. But this is the time right before, right at the time where Miley Cyrus kind of went a little weird. Yes. You know, went yeah. very artsy and, and tried, the whole tried to be thing. Madonna. Yeah. Tried to be Madonna. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't like her anyway. So I, I covered the story on my podcast and I got hate. Because I said, oh. I thought it was a great idea having her out there because, like you said just before about the Kardashians, they have this entire audience who knows maybe nothing about the oceans. Or doesn't care. Or doesn't care. But because, or they just don't listen to stuff on oceans or don't know because they don't know to search it. <laughs> they don't know they care. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They probably yeah. love the ocean, love going to the beach, but and they do care. Like They don't want to see pollution and stuff, as most people don't, but they don't realize what's happening. And anyways, so she has this millions of fans and she has this opportunity to educate them. So she was Instagramming and all this stuff while she was on the boat and everything like that. And actually, um, Carl Sophia had nothing but good things to say. He says she's actually quite intelligent and really into the whole like learning about the wolves and all the conservation and everything. Anyway, I got hate from my podcast. Somebody said, this is the best. Somebody's like, I'm going to unlike your page if you oh. cover her again. And I said... I just blocked you from my page because <laughs> like it's a page. You, you, if you take a like from my page, I really couldn't care less. But you know, I, I just I, I thought it was one of those things. Is I think you have to be careful with celebrities because I think a lot of times we, as conservationists, expect if they cover something on on oceans, we expect almost too much from them. Well, right. yeah, right. We we expect them to like, oh, you got all this money, let's just throw it. Like like Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, he's really big into conservation. Um, he's got this the Capri, Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation. He does all this kind of stuff. But then the problem is, is just he throws money at everything, like all these iconic things, and he brings his name into thing. But not everything gets done through him. Mm-hmm. But attention gets put on the issue, which is a good thing. But it really comes down to the people who are who are using that money to go ahead and do stuff. And sometimes it's just, it doesn't work out. So, and, and, and we can maybe talk about that later. Um, but I, I, I do think ocean celebrities or celebrities are good for the ocean. It's just, I think we have to be careful because I think we rely too much on them saying, oh, well, you should fix this problem. You've got well, all the world. Well, they and, and you have that, plus you have, they each carry their own baggage. Oh, you know, sure. we're making the Kardashian jokes. We're making the Miley Cyrus jokes, which yeah. means they inherently are carrying baggage. There's bias implicit in those. And then the, the uh, anti-conservationists will just say it's all those liberal celebrities again. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you really dig deep, even to the, conserv- the conservatives on these issues, they're also, everyone's environmentalist. If you, mm-hmm. if you get past the politics oh, yeah. and you really ask, do you want that air clean? Do you want that ocean clean? Do For you sure. want more fishes? Everyone agrees on those things. Yeah, and then oh, you bring absolutely. a celebrity in, and suddenly now there's two sides, and so yeah. it does it does cause that. But I welcome it. Um, yeah, we, we it's attention. It. It's, it's it's attention. attention. Yeah. Right, that's the whole thing is get attention on the subject, and then it's what you do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the guys that that I've I've known for a while, David Schiffman, who's uh, known on Twitter's AKA Why Sharks Matter, big social media guy. Um, recently, hey, I've got to get him on this show too. I've been yeah, chatting with yeah. him, and he's awesome. got to make the time. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. Um, and actually, I'm going into this trip with him. Uh, I'm going to see him in a couple of days. But you know, he. He always says, you know, once there's a bad thing about sharks, like Shark Week, you know, mm-hmm. over the past, last year was good, but the past, a few years before that were pretty terrible for, for sharks and conservation because they just glorified the, the hunting part and the killing part. Well, Discovery's moved, away, Discovery's moved away from being an educational channel to being an entertainment channel. Exactly. And it's, which is, I mean, they can do both, but they've kind of, they're leaving the education part behind. And that's the problem with Shark Week and all those kind of things is because For it, sure. you forget why this matters, you know? Exactly. And, and uh, to, give them, to give them credit, last year was a lot better than the, than the, the previous years. And the year before was a lot better. Um, so they're getting more back into the science, which is great. But, but maybe, they, maybe well, they heard you. <laughs> oh, oh, they heard, <laughs> I'll tell you who they heard is this guy, David, because he would yeah. criticize them every year. 
because they came out with like, oh, Me- Megalodon exists. They came out with the fake documentaries and all this kind of stuff. And he just buried them. He was on CNN. He did this. But what he also says, what he also did is he's like, look, this Shark Week is a chance. No matter how glorified it gets, Shark Week is a chance to get other people who's in, who are in science communication to talk about sharks. And it could be about other things. When, when I first came out with the podcast, I had a series of Shark Week podcasts where I talked about sharks that weren't being talked about on the Shark Week. Right, because it was always great whites, bull sharks, hammerhead sharks, uh, tiger sharks. That was the only sharks that they they covered. So we mm-hmm. covered leopard sharks and all this kind of stuff, and green Greenland sharks and um, six scale sharks, and it was a lot of fun. And we talked about different people. And that's the one thing I love about my podcast is we don't get like the big names, but we get the people who are really into it and are doing stuff on like hands on kind of stuff. And and it's a you know it's 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 just a lot of fun. It's I think a lot of the audience finds it more interesting because they're getting into the conservation and they're finding it oh there are people who are doing some great things and and we just had an art we just i just covered a podcast with a guy uh, andrew wright who just went to antarctica for the first time we talked about what it was like his first time working in antarctica and it was just amazing like well now he didn't get shot down by the uh, guards guarding the antarctic ice wall on the flat earth <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, that's uh, amazing. <laughs> didn't fall off the earth. Didn't fall off the earth. It's a, it's a miracle. Yeah, um, yeah it's didn't remarkable. Even, yeah, yeah. You know, he did talk to some orcas down there who were talking about flat earth. But yeah, <laughs> no, but so I mean, funny. He, he, had a, he had a great time there, and it was just, um, you know, he he's he was studying orcas actually, and he was like three feet from orcas as he was setting these acoustic instruments, and he's like, he goes, this, he goes, I'm not. He even said, he goes, he's not a cold temperature person he usually mm-hmm. does work in the tropics and stuff with marine mammals um, but he's like this was a trip of a lifetime and it was really cool just the preparations and the training they do they have to sleep on the ice as a way of just in case you get caught on the ice and uh, they went to the different bases and stuff and talked about the bars at the different bases and uh, it was it was just a, a cool episode but you get to talk to the people who are actually doing stuff right it's it's a lot of fun yeah, and we see that, you know, it's funny, we, it's, this is where your podcast and my podcast often cross over, is we actually, I'll grab your guests. Absolutely. I'll see someone on your show and go, oh, oh, yeah. oh, there's a person, or you'll even send me them. You'll say, hey, Clay, you got to oh, yeah. talk to these spearfishers down in Australia or New Zealand yeah. or whatever, and we'll start talking and build these relationships. And uh, so we've had this relationship for a while. You've been making this podcast. You're an oceanpreneur. You're trying to make a living at the podcast. Yeah. I, 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 it's just getting to the dirt of this podcasting world, and this is... This is kind of sausage making stuff, and, and um, <laughs> yeah. a lot of we like to talk about. We like to talk about it, but there are a lot of listeners who are also podcasters, bloggers, YouTubers, and they want to know: Can I make? Uh, can I? Can I get an audience? Can I make a living at this? Uh, is it a real thing? Are you making a living at your podcast yet? I if if it was just off Speak Up for Blue podcast, mm-hmm. no, I'm not making a living off of that. You don't have your podcast money. You're not. I don't have my. Po- <laughs> I'm not making the riches. I'm not. Uh, you know, buying Teslas because I can afford the big expensive ones and stuff. Yeah. No. Um. It's it's getting there. Mm-hmm. Um. And I've got an audience. And I think I, I for me the way I see it's just it's all about consistency. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and you're doing three shows a week. Three shows a week, which uh, is a lot, by the way. It's, it's a stupid amount of shows. Yeah, it's a stupid amount of shows. And I'm, I, I started off with once a week, went to five days a week because I which fell is in bad love news. With, yeah, which, and that's after working a full time job too. That was crazy. I kept that up for about six months. I talked to a buddy of mine, Nathan, who was doing some of the podcasts with me, and he was like, "Dude, you got to stop. Like, you're not sleeping. You're not doing this." And I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." One and, and your audience can't keep up. With, with, yeah, with, with that many shows a week, it's it's very difficult to make time to listen to five episodes Absolutely. a week. So and they up- were like, and it wasn't as if they were ten minute episodes, right? No. They were like thirty to forty minute episodes. Sometimes, if it was an interview, it was an hour. So yeah, you're no slouch when it comes to talking. I can That's- talk. <laughs> <laughs> I can- I could talk, which is why my lo- my wife loves me coming into my office and talking on a microphone, not to her about oh, science. God. Because she's just like, come on, yeah, I love. I hear the same thing about fish. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but what I do like now is I actually do podcast consulting. 
um, is what I've been doing. So I've picked up a couple of clients who've had trouble building an audience and I've, I've, uh, I, or who have just started and I've kind of picked up their podcast and helped them grow it and, and, uh, you know, kind of give them advice and all this kind of stuff on the structure of their show and all this kind of stuff. And if I have to do a little bit of editing, I'll do a little bit of editing, but a lot of it's just more of growing it and, and marketing it. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of cool because you get to see how different people structure their podcasts, how different people want to express their message and, and the different creative processes and all that. And I just give them that technical expertise that I've, I've accumulated over the last three years. Uh, well, it's interesting because, it, so just for people who don't know, the uh, most podcasts never release more than seven episodes. Mm-hmm. So there's somewhere to 450,000 podcasts now on Apple, right? It's some ridiculous amount. Mm-hmm. And most have less than seven episodes. Yeah. And they do what's called pod fading. They disappear because either the, the uh, people who start the show don't understand how much work it goes into making a podcast, which yeah. for, for me, for a one-hour show, I, minimum four hours of work. Yeah. Minimum. And that doesn't include marketing it or no, you know, exactly. it's... it's it's editing, it's research, it's, uh, you know, it seems like we wing it most of the time, but we're not actually I really structure my shows and try to make people listen. You do the same thing. You plan what yeah. you're going to say so that you can get your message out. And that's really important. People forget about that. Um, and, and so all these shows are out there. So they need consultants, they need help yeah. um, to, get, to get a bigger audience and to grow it. And then most podcasts get less than 115 listeners per episode, over half. Insane. Are less than 115. It's that's insane. And with yeah. the fact that everyone carries an iPhone in their pocket or a, or a, a Android device, like three to one Android Android devices, Android devices. <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah, Android devices, but Copy three to right one. <laughs> the the ratio of, of Apple products to Androids, three to one. Yeah. But 90 percent of podcast listeners are on Apple device, which yeah. means we're missing. The Android crowds. If you, by the way, if you're on Android, I'd love to hear from you and hear how you're listening to these podcasts because yeah. we actually don't hear from Android people very often don't. because 90% are on that one thing. We're so hoping you're doing some Spotify consulting. brings that. We're hoping Spotify brings that up a little bit, right? They're number two now in just they're a very short time. Uh, and that's especially yeah. with the younger crowd. They're, everyone's on Spotify now. So Yeah, exactly. You can create playlists and stuff like that. And now you can use like the Alexa to use Spotify and all that. And, and do you know there's actually an app? You're on Libsyn, right? That's a whole yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's an actual Alexa. They've created an Alexa skill that you can play and you can fast forward and, and bring back using your voice. It's actually Ooh. it's they're they're it's going to roll out to everybody. They they just uh, opened up to a couple of people. I've been able to slip in. The funny thing is, it only works in the U.S. It doesn't work in Canada, so I can't test it, which drives me nuts. So oh, and uh, I don't have Alexa, so I need to. Uh, my daughter does, so I'll check in with hers. And do you know if you yell, "Hey Siri, subscribe to the Speak Up for Blue podcast." Siri will hear you and do it. So That's if anyone awesome. was playing that out loud in their house, you're welcome. There you uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you got to do on every one. Hey, yeah. just, hey Siri, hey, yeah. Siri. <laughs> what time <Yeah>. is it? <laughs> but I find, you know, one thing I find about podcasts is, is if somebody's not listening to a podcast, it's mm-hmm. very difficult to get them to listen to a podcast. Well, because you say, hey, do you listen to podcasts? And they go, what is that, a blog? Is that yeah. a YouTube channel? Yeah, they uh, still don't know. No. And it boggles my mind. It it really does boggle my mind and to the point where I was at I was at the bank one time and they're asking you know depositing checks and they're like hey speak up but what do you get, what do you do and I tell them what I do I tell them I have a podcast and like oh yeah I don't listen to podcasts like give me your phone like, what you have to and I like I down I go I'm downloading Spotify for you because right. I was an Android and I'm like boom you you follow my podcast now listen to it because yeah. if not like if I tell them oh yeah it's on Spotify like why well, don't listen to Spotify they'll well, never. When I go to expos or I'm speaking, uh, and I, have, I give out stickers and swag and stuff for when people are visiting me, I won't give them a, a sticker unless they take their phone out and physically Smart. subscribe to the show in front of me because you're, they're yeah. never going to do it. No, um, for sure. It's, it's sure. crazy. So, it really, so those who are listening who like podcasts, tell your friends about yeah. them. I mean, the best way, I mean, we all want your money, of course, but the best way to help a podcast is by helping us grow an audience that real advertisers will come in and give us the money yeah. uh, and and it's critical because podcasts don't get the same respect other medians and the arts give um, we get this kind of hobbyist kind of tone to people and they don't realize how much work goes into creating this and it is an art project making a podcast is art and it is. it's important that you support that whether it's through money or through telling people about it and telling yeah. people is a big deal now you've got a, a private facebook group Yes. Uh, that you, that's how you promote your show. It's how I do mine as well. Yeah. Uh, far more effective than a Facebook page. Do you want to tell us about your group? 
way more effective. Yeah, uh, it's it's essentially a group where I get to interact with the audience, and I actually learned that from you. Uh, you're on your, <laughs> yeah, thank you. When I was first on the po- on your podcast, you were like, "Hey, I'm going to ask a couple of uh, questions for for my audience to see, you know, if they like I have a group." And I'm like, "A group? I've never even thought about it, right?" And I, I was I was frustrated with Facebook pages for a they long want time. your money. Unless you advertise, you're not going to get any anything on there. And not advertising long. ten or twenty dollars. They want fifty, yeah, they hundred. Want, they want real money. They want which real. we don't have. Yeah. No, no, and that's the thing. Not Canadian dollars. Not Canadian, like, yeah. It, dollars yeah. that have value. That's <laughs> so true. We're getting there. We're getting there. Um, I think your president is helping us out a little bit. Oh, my God. Depending on what he it. says on the day. If he, if he mentions NAFTA, boom, our bill, our dollar goes down. Yeah. He doesn't mention it or think it. Uh, God forbid he tweets about it. Uh, anyway... Uh, you know, it, it's yeah. It's it, the group really helps. It, it's it's a lot of interactive stuff. I mean, you're in the group and you're 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 answering questions, and we're always we're always uh, commenting and stuff. It's just a great way to interact with the people, and um, it's just yeah, it's just a lot of fun. I I really enjoy it because I get a lot of feedback from people, um, usually positive, but sometimes I even say like, "What would you like to see?" or "What." do you think I do that you would like to see me change? And I remember at one point, like you ramble a lot at the beginning. I'm like, sure. okay, I do. <laughs> True. So now I try and keep it down to like, you know, four or five minutes at the beginning and then ramble later, ramble later. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. And you being a science brain person, you're open to that kind of feedback. You're like, you're going to hear yeah. it and go, Oh yeah, maybe I'm wrong. And, and that's the difference between you and say a lot of other podcasters are like, screw you. I'm not changing for nothing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You got that science you- brain. I mean that the you got to be able to take criticism, especially when you're online, and you can't take it personal. You know, I've had people say some pretty bad things about me, and 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 it's just you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, I got you. I'll take some some of that, but the others like screw you, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, well, there's there's feedback, and then there's people just being mean, and yeah. that's the difference. Oh, yeah, yeah. And nice thing about a group is you're in charge, so when people give you negative feedback. Cool, let's talk about it. People are jerks. Get out. Get out. And they're gone, and it's sure. easy. See you later, block. I yeah. like that's that I like that as well. I've only had to block two people in 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 my lifetime at at uh, the, for this Facebook. Group. Yeah, sorry about that. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, for the most part, it was pretty. It was pretty good. Like the the people there are really good. They're really interactive. They 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 contribute some really insightful things, and and that's what I want. Right. That's yeah. the goal of of the podcast is to continue that conversation somewhere. Now, if you can get all of those people supporting you through your crowdfunding. That would be your living right there. So you got what, almost seven hundred people in your group, right? Almost seven hundred people. So if they all gave, uh, let's say you do you do a monthly uh, donation right through your show. Yeah. So yeah. if they all gave, uh, let's say five bucks a month. Yeah. So let's do some math. Five times seven hundred. <laughs> what is that? Three thirty-five hundred bucks a month. Five hundred bucks a month. Yeah. That's that's a living right there. Yeah. There's there's your base salary for your podcast. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about um, the way that a lot of podcasts are getting funded now. This this leading into another another ad drop here. Are you ready for this? I love it. So love so it. most most podcasters don't make money through adver- traditional advertising. We make a little bit of money, but the most money is comes from our listeners. We, podcasters, as you know, are the most interactive of all the internet's people. And so we interact with our audience, and we want our audience to support the show. So if you go to patreon.com and search for Speak Up for Blue or Fish Nerds, and you give a little bit of money per month or per episode, that money adds up to where artists and creators like Andrew can make money on their show. Um, yeah. I support your show. You support yeah. mine. So I guess that's a zero sum. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but it looks good on paper. Um, my show just crossed the $100 an episode mark on Patreon. That's awesome. Which Congrats. means I'm making about a little over $400 a month on Patreon before the fees and stuff, um, <laughs> which is not enough to pay a lot of bills. It, no. Producing a podcast costs a few hundred bucks a month. Uh, and so we're asking listeners to go to patreon.com and support our shows and give us some money. If our, everyone on your page did a little bit of money, yeah. you'd, it's a living. You can quit yeah. all the other ways of trying to find a way to like take your wife out for dinner and pay some bills. Uh, and you can make a living at it. Um, on my show right now, right, we do some of our advertising through Patreon. So like yeah. if li- listeners are a show, it's really for listeners, not for people who don't know us. But if listeners are a show have a business and they go to patreon.com slash fish nerds and they give us 25 bucks a month, mm-hmm. I mean, or an episode, then I'll mention their business on, on the yeah. show. So I have two doing it. I'm going to do that now. I'm going to mention them now so I don't forget. That's so good. one of them is uh, Josh Lopes. 
uh, who gives us $25 an episode. That's 100 bucks a month, which is a lot of money for most people. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a business, that's not a lot of money for advertising. And he actually is getting customers from us in Massachusetts. He's a tax guy. So lopestax.com and, and tell Josh you heard about the podcast from us. And we also have uh, just brand new supporting the podcast is, and I wrote this down, um, is Thirst Productions. Um, Rich Collins, who you know, yes. is, is giving us now um, that advertising rate. So Thirst Productions is a one-man digital media agency catering to small business. This is more than I want to give, but uh, small business helping them improve uh, their online presence. Uh, he does websites, SEO, social media, all that stuff. And, he, and he's also a correspondent on our podcast. So he, he contributes audio and he contributes Dang, that's money, which is amazing. And that, that's what put us over the $100 mark. Um, two more brand new donors I'm going to mention. I always mention all of our new donors on the show. Um, like in Rancourt, uh, is now giving us $2 an episode, $8 a month. Again, that's not enough money to hurt your wallet, but it's enough money nope. to make a difference in mine. Uh, and Nick um, Goldbrush, which is spelled weird, but it's spelled, it looks like goldfish, um, is, is giving us $5 an episode, $20 a month. And he makes another podcast called the Dependent Independent Podcast. And uh, I met him at um, Podcast... Um, Mid-Atlantic a few months ago, he and I both, both were presenters there, and he makes a really great, he's making a 200-episode uh, series exploring life lessons and that sort of thing, and it's really good, and he's one of those guys who's so good-looking, it makes you uncomfortable, like Love you just talk to it. him, yeah. and you just wish, yeah. you wish, man, I wish I looked good like yeah. that, yeah. Well, as you talk to him, that's all you see, is you just yeah. all you're thinking, but God, you're good-looking. Yeah, he's just so, like, just so <laughs> good-looking, yeah, so I mean... What are you going to do? So uh, anyway, that's our, 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 our Patreon pitch. I, I had to mention all of our new people. Um, and we're doing well, a monthly giveaway now. So. everybody who's contributing. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really cool to see people supporting. I know it takes a lot for people to, to hit that button and, 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 uh, and contribute to, to Patreon because it's not your typical sort of model that a lot of people think about. But if you listen to the podcast a lot and you really enjoy it, and this is your, your number one or number two podcast and you listen to it a lot, then think about giving a few extra bucks because it, it does help us a lot. Uh, and, and it, it doesn't hurt your, your wallet that all that much. No, it's, it's like, it's a notion of from a little comes a lot. If we all give a little bit and that goes with conservation efforts too. Like if I'm going to move out of this, but if, if you're looking at how can I help conservation causes and I see like a donation button or something, you think I can't afford to donate to that cause donate $1 to anything Yeah, because we're $1 times however many millions of people makes a huge difference. If you've got a quarter, drop it in the hat once in a while for someone else to help people out. Don't worry about, don't think, is my $1 significant? Because the answer is it is significant and that goes for all the stuff. The way I I see it for for people donating to conservation efforts is I always do it this way. If you want to reduce plastic and you want to reduce sort of like your impact on the environment, because plastic's a big problem, waste is a big problem, Take the money you spend normally on a coffee cup, right? On a coffee. So say mm-hmm. you spend what you you know say like two or three uh, Starbucks coffee coffees a uh, a week, right? Mm-hmm. So that's probably like ten to fifteen dollars a week. Even if you took that per month and gave fifteen dollars per month to an organization that's working to get plastics out of the water, it's almost like you're offsetting whatever you're using. You know what I mean? And then try and reduce your your cup cost by getting a refillable cup and then go into Starbucks and they'll refill it for you. And then, then you can increase your donation to a, a conservation organization that's looking to clean up plastic either locally or regionally or, or whatever that, that might be. It's that simple. It's, it's not small. a difficult thing. And, and you'll be surprised. We are very creative. Our scientists and conservation are so creative with budgets because we're so used to working with so little money. We can make a dollar stretch. And well, it's, and it's it's funny as someone who works for donations and, and runs a nonprofit, I actually find when I and I like having too much money, but I also find I'm less creative when I have a lot of money. Like if I have all the money for all the things I want to do, I actually am less creative. I'm not saying don't yeah. give me more money, but I'm saying it too much money does stifle the creative. You know, you know, you challenges are what we what makes people creative. So you know, yeah. give a little bit, give a give tiny a bit. bit. Yeah, absolutely. This show is brought to you, like I said, by Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, and more. Uh, you can go to healthiq.com 
slash FNP to save some money on your health, life insurance if you live a healthy lifestyle. Uh, Trust Pilot landed, 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 uh, Trust Pilot rated um, Health IQ nine point six out of ten on its trustworthiness. I guess um, nice. so. There's there's that. Uh, so if you live a healthy life. Um, you're vegan, you're eating non-GMOs, <laughs> or, or whatever you're doing, uh, they, I, I, they will help you find a better rate on your life insurance, which is really important. Just like if you drive your car safely, you, should, you pay less for um, car insurance, you should pay less for life insurance if you're treating your body well. So go to healthiq.com slash FNP to see if you can save money on your life insurance. And uh, you never know what the future brings, so having insurance really makes a big difference in knowing that your family will be good when you uh, drop dead uh, and you will <laughs> die someday. Absolutely. So, yeah. No matter how many non-GMO items you, you eat, you're going to die. Someday. It turns out everyone dies. Yeah. So, so be prepared by going to healthiq.com slash FNP. All right, we're going to do some news. All right, and we're going to get right in here. Uh, actually, this news story was given to us from one of our Patreon supporters, Joe Paccio. Um, and we get a lot of our support uh, from our podcast group here. And this is from The Salt, which I assume is, uh, oh, NPR. <laughs> NPR, yeah. NPR. Um, but they're, they're, they have a, I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, a floating fillet, rice farmers grow bugs to replenish California salmon. So you can this these crossover stories here. I know. Uh, I know. This is by Ezra David Romero. What a great name! Yeah, it is a cool name. All right, Jacob Katz is on the hunt, not for geese or ducks, on a farm about forty minutes north of Sacramento. He wades through rice paddies with an aquarium net in hand, but he's not fishing. We're going bug hunting, Katz says. The senior scientist for California Trout, a conservation group with a focus on protecting wild fish. By the way, not not to knock on trout groups. It seems like every wild fish group or native fish group only seems to care about trout. I always have a little bit of a, I get a little edgy with the trout groups after a while, even though I'm a member of several. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they just they don't care about minnows and fall fish and other kind of like, uh, you know, dace and stuff like that. They want the trout. I want the trout. Um, anyway, the River Garden Farms found in 1913, they typically grow things like corn, wheat, uh, and other things. And this time, 5,000 acres of rice. Um, and they use that for uh, sushi restaurants. Today, he's working on a pilot project with UC Davis to create what they call floodplain fatties, a nickname for well-fed baby salmon uh, and smelt who will eat his bugs while swimming through the Sacramento River. So they're, they're raising this thing and then raising bugs in the patties for the thing. Yep. So they dip this net into the water and just comes out full of bugs, uh, adding uh, that they're mostly, uh, this is a word I don't know, uh, cladocerans, which uh, he calls water fleas. Mm-hmm. And these little bugs are floating fillets for salmon that will be in the river. Uh, the reason he's doing this is young Chinook salmon and other fish need help. Much of the water they require to survive is stored in dams and diverted. That means there's no food forage for those fish, not enough food forage. They're adding to that food forage. So it's one amazing kind of, I'm not going to read the whole story, but yeah. kind of an amazing uh, way of like diversifying what you're rice patties are doing so they used to just grow the rice and now they're growing the rice and they're growing the food to support the wild fishes which is kind of a a really cool way to creative way we were talking about a minute ago creative way to like support uh support the things and the cool thing is they show um they show two different salmon smolts here uh and that are the same age and one of them uh <laughs> one of them that they grew in the river was an inch and a half long yeah, uh, which I don't know how that translates to Canadian. It's uh, like three centimeters, roughly, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and, and the one in the floodplain not only was more than twice as long, but more than twice as fat as well. So the one they grow with, oh yeah, with all those added nutrients, so the fish are growing but bigger, it looks like and stronger. An fish. It, it looks, looks like the proper salmon or whatever is this a trout? Yeah, it's a salmon. It's yeah. a salmon. But, yeah, it looks like yeah. a proper. It looks like a proper salmon. What you expect to find, and then unfortunately, the the river one is the one that you find now. But the question I have with the river ones, and now the dams are what's messing it up. But I would be curious historically how big were they? Um, because this is another thing that a lot of people get wrong is in a lot of our rivers that we are fishing for salmon these days. Salmon's weren't traditionally a large part of the history. 
even though the history books mention them constantly, it's that love affair with the trout and salmon. And so I'd be curious, historically, what were they like before all the dams and what's the fossil record show and what's the yeah. history of it? Because in, in New Hampshire, uh, where you know people would say before the dams were built, and I can only speak from where I know is, uh, before the dams were built, there were salmon so thick you can walk across them. Yeah, And so we're always like, try to restore the salmon, try to restore the salmon. And then we get the fossil records or we get the Native American um, pots and we scrape them and we test to see what fish they were eating. And it's not salmon. No. Salmon were not the fish. And, but we still latch in on those fish as that, um, I call them the Bambi fish. They're cuddly and attractive and everyone gets attracted to them. And that's Absolutely. the fish that raises money for conservation groups. Absolutely. Well, it's not always the right fish. No, absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting because at the beginning of the story, you were talking about how you know the the organization is named California Trout, and a lot of these uh, organizations are named Trout or they're named Salmon of some sort, right? We yeah. Have trout, we have Trout Unlimited, and they do some great watershed revitalization. They're fantastic. They're, they're great groups, but they're named for a reason because people identify with that. You know, with that thing, they're they're not going to identify with uh, California Clodosserin, which is the food that they're raising. <laughs> right. Because people are like, "What the hell is a Clodosserin?" I don't even know what that is. Yeah, or the it's California Dace. <laughs> yeah, California yeah. Dace. They're not yeah. gonna. They're not gonna. You know, they're not gonna. They don't care about that. There's no sucker unlimited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Carp unlimited. Yeah, no, there's nothing like that. Exactly. But you know, you know, and the same thing when you when you talk about like marine mammals and stuff, we always talk about saving the whales and and saving the dolphins because they're iconic because we connect with them. Um, exactly. But when you when you save the whales and you the idea was that they we called them we call them iconic species, but we also call them umbrella species. And the idea with the whole umbrella species, you save one species, but you save everything below what they serve. So like marine mammals go over different habitats and whatnot. So you're saving all those habitats, right? Same as sea turtles. With salmon, right. same thing. You're saving rivers and you're, you're hopefully saving oceans. Right. Because they put in the fish, the, the fish ladders and fish elevators for exactly. the salmon. But exactly. if they actually look at the, at the numbers, it's, it's shad, it's herring, sea lamprey, eels, other things that are using Everything. them way more than the salmon. And, sure. and so they, you're right, the umbrella species. But for those of us who like all species of fish, yeah. we get, you know, like, yeah, Come on, give, give some love to the other dogs once oh, in a yeah. while, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, don't yeah. – and that's – it's a big uh, point of contention when you get, uh, you know, p researchers that are all about salmon and researchers that are about everything else because they just – they always make fun of each other. Like, we don't care about the salmon or we don't care about the – you know, we just care about – we should care about everything, not just one species. It's true, but it's just more of a, like a teasing thing that happens in science when you when you get those scientists kind of together. Yeah, and, and they get a little butthurt about it because they actually do oh, yeah. care about everything, and they don't want you to think they only care about – the for sure the oh yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. salmonids it's not just salmonids they take care of everybody yeah exactly exactly yeah. but i think in this story here you know it's interesting it's a, it's a clear adaptation to an adaptation sure you know we talk about the dams and everything like these floodplains were floodplains before and mm -hmm. they've taken them away probably back then to for agriculture Right, and that's what happens a lot historically in the U.S. and Canada, and probably even Mexico. Is everything was for agriculture, and so they changed the sort of the landscape, especially the waterscape, to make sure that you know um, they would have rivers, but they wouldn't have huge floodplains, like the the crops wouldn't get flooded. So this is an adaptation where they're actually going in and they're flooding an area, they're flooding a plain, and and then just flooding it with food because that's the food that they love to eat sure and uh, and and there's there's other adaptations with salmon where they used to mess around with the ph levels of the rivers to you know because they because the salmon like a certain ph and and whatnot and 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 it was just like okay we'll bring them back and then it would get it would fluctuate it was all about you know getting your hands in there and trying to figure things out and the problem is is you're just like you just after a while, you're like, how many times are we going to get in there and try and mess with the system yep. instead of just allowing the system to be the system? Right. But, you know, you know it, aside from aside from taking dams out, which is the, the real answer to all this, yeah. uh, it's all we got. And so yeah. in, until that happens, we've got to keep doing True. the things. Um, they're finding when they remove dams, all the fish come back in a oh, surprisingly yeah. fast pace. Um, oh, yeah. the, the fish, nature knows what to do. Yep. Um, if we just stop and walk away, it comes back and it fixes itself. And absolutely. And if it doesn't, then it's not gonna. But if if, if nature can't fix it, we certainly can't. <laughs> I think that's it. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, just walk away. You know, yeah. take apart, take out the human stuff, and let the fish yeah. do it. 
So, but I, I do like that the effort. You know, they're using the the double sort of uh, advantage here, where they have they're growing rice fields, and then they're also uh, helping out the salmon to bring them back. I think. Well, it's sure, and and I didn't read the. I, I don't know where the funding has come from, but I guarantee you that guy's not doing it for free. No, um, I'm no. sure there's tax incentives. I'm sure that there's um, oh, yeah. money coming in grants, and why not? Why no. not make being environmentalist or being good for the environment also? Um, fiscally good for your own wallet. Why can't you make money Absolutely. being an oceanpreneur or anything else in conservation, right? That's the idea nowadays, right, is to add that benefit. And yep. I think like the people who buy the rice from these fields should be promoting it. Like the, the rice field should be saying, this is what we're doing. Oh, I'm bringing it back. Well, California's smart about advertising what they're doing. I'm sure there's a tag yeah. on that rice saying, so. eating this rice supports the wild Chinook salmon. I'm sure Absolutely. it has a, a, I'm sure they're smart about it. So they know. I hope so. Yeah. As, that was, as bananas as they are sometimes, they're smart about <laughs> advertising. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next um, story. Let's move on here. We got a we got a few stories to get to. We're a few minutes left here. All right, this is from Harvard. Yes, I like Harvard. This. I took some Harvard um, students ice fishing this winter. Nice. Yeah, yeah they had they had a great time. They were they were pre med uh, using shark scales to design better drones, planes, and wind turbines. So they're taking fish technology. Yep. And using them to design things. All right. Uh, to build more aerodynamic machines, researchers uh, went to an unlikely spot, the ocean. A team of evolutionary biologists and engineers at Harvard University, in collaboration with colleagues from the University of South Carolina, have shed light on decades-old mystery about shark skins and, in the process, demonstrated a new bios, bios, I can't say it, bion, bion-inspired structure <laughs> that could improve the aerodynamic performance of planes, wind turbines, drones, and cars. This is published in the Journal of Royal Society Interface. Uh, sharks and airplanes aren't actually all that different. Um, from experience, I can tell you one flies better than the other. Uh, both are designed to efi efficiently move through fluid, water, and air, using the shape of their bodies to generate lift and decrease drag. The difference is sharks have about 400 million year head start on the design process. So, by the way, if you don't believe in evolution, you're yeah. listening to the wrong podcast. Uh, <laughs> Go to the flat earth part. Podcast. The, the, well, by the way, that's along with everything else. They don't believe in evolution's on their list. Oh, of course. That, that would be the number one tick, I think. It's, they're really, they have a, it's a religious-based thing. So, um, the skins of sharks is covered with thousands and thousands of small scales or denticles, which, are the ver which vary in shape and size around the body. Um, and uh, we know a lot about the structure of those tentacles, which is very similar to human teeth, but the function has been debated. So now they're kind of zeroing in on the function of these things. Yeah. Um, but basically, they're taking all this technology, and they're now they're saying, can we layer the wings of a plane with small, basically, scales, these tentacles, yeah. and make the planes fly more efficiently or make turbines spin uh, more efficiently? Um, but it's pretty amazing how they take this fish technology and, and move it into engineering and see, to see... To see evolutionary biologists work with engineers, it's amazing to me. Well, and, and that's, that's the key about the ocean is there's so much to find in the ocean. And uh, what's interesting is, you know, we always say as, as conservationists, was like there's, there's so much biodiversity in the ocean. If we would decrease that, we lose out on discovering things like this, right? This is going to help. You know, you think about wind turbines, you think about planes, you think about drones and all that. Uh, wind turbines especially, you know, if you can make them run more efficiently, then we're going to get more energy for the buck, right, of running mm -hmm. them. So this is going to help us in the future as, as a human species. And it's, we found them in the water. You know, same right. with cancer research and all this kind of stuff. You find them in the water because there's so many different adaptations that these animals have taken. I mean, like we talked about 400 million years of adaptation. Uh, there's a reason why they're still around. And it's because the scales, it's because of the, the way they grow their teeth, it's because of the way they hunt, the way they swim, everything like that. And, what, what gets us a lot of times, there was just a, a, a paper that came out, I think it was in science or something like that, um, or nature. It was talking about how people didn't realize what biodiversity was about or they didn't care about biodiversity. And, and I, I get it. I get it because what's it going to do to them? But that's what, what we always say as scientists is like, that's where you're going to get the, the meat of everything. Yeah. Well, people don't care about biodiversity until they do. Like until they know they need to care about it. It's the same we were talking about earlier. They don't know, you don't know your environmentalist until you really put your brain to it. And it turns out everyone is. Yep. And diversity, same thing. You don't know you need diversity until you realize you don't have it uh, exactly. or until someone shows it to you in a way that's not judging you and not telling yep. you you're an idiot because um, that doesn't work for science. No, no, exactly. So. <laughs> it was like, imagine like saying like, okay, somebody you knew had, 
had cancer, God forbid. We all mm-hmm. know somebody who's had cancer or who, who is going through it right now. Imagine if the cure was in the ocean. Well, right? It might that's, be. That's where researchers are going. They're going to corals. They're going to like um, starfish. And they're going to areas that regenerate their, their cells and uh, species that regenerate their cells and be able to, to do something about it. And it's just, that's where we're going to find it. Right. Well, and with cancer, with cancer, there's only, a, as far as I, and, and I'm sure I'm going to get corrections, but there's only a, a few animals with uh, spinal cords who do not get cancer. Other than that, almost every animal gets cancer, especially if, you've got, if you're a chordate. Um, and it's a natural biological control. Cancer is terrible, but it happens to every animal except for a handful of sharks and frogs. Right. right. Uh, and, and they're looking at those animals and saying, how can we learn from nature? Exactly. Uh, and it, and it's, our, if our ego gets too big, we forget to pay attention to what yep. the animals have already figured out. Yeah. Um, and they, and not, they're not as deliberate of us, but our best, our best adaptation as an animal is our brains and are able to take that information and translate it into, into helping each other survive. Um, For sure. So, For sure. But pretty amazing at Harvard to doing this kind of stuff. I love oh, that yeah. crossover science love stuff. It. Love yeah. it. Way collaborations, cool. man. We need to do more. We need more, and yeah, uh, we need to fund this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, when you fund this, is easier to fund because there's a there's a there's probably they're going to sell something based on this, right? Like this, you know, Harvard will probably come up with a prototype and then they'll sell the oh yeah the the technology and stuff. And universities love this kind of stuff because it brings in money to the universities. Well, and if you look at places like Harvard, who have a, like a billion dollar endowment, yeah, they're self funding a lot of their own studies. Yes, uh, and and their donors are, you know, a lot of their donors who fill the endowment up, they went to Harvard. They were rich when they started. They're more rich when they finish, uh, and they're able to refill those coffers. And they, sure. you know, if Harvard puts out an article like this, and it gets in the right front of the right people, they get oh yeah, two point oh, five million dollar donations, thirty million dollar donations. Oh, this yeah. monstrous amount of money gets comes back yeah. to them. Yeah, this is huge for them. That's but I do want to do the uh, from healthyholisticliving.com. And I want to talk about two sides of this article. First of all, the headline, Farmed Salmon, One of the Most Toxic Foods in the World. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Nicholas uh, Daniels, documentary, filet o fish takes a critical look at the fish industry featuring exclusive footage from fish farms and factories across the globe. Many still have rather romanticized a view of fishing, but when it comes to, to large-scale food production, the picture is actually rather grim. Uh, and it goes on to talk about how how fish are farmed and how they become this like chemical cocktail, mm-hmm. uh, which all can be true. Um, yeah. And they claim farmed salmon is one of the most toxic foods in the world. Um, and this is where I'm, it's kind of a cautionary thing on farmed fish. I, I don't want to read the whole article. Um, have you heard this before? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. there's a huge debate, huge, yeah. huge debate in, yeah. in the world right now with, with farmed salmon. Yeah, farmed salmon, especially the way it's, it can be farmed. It's not all. The trick is, is farmed fish is not generic. It's not a thing that we can say, okay, this is farmed, therefore it's bad. Right. Uh, so, so given that fish is, it's it's the only wild animal we see in supermarkets, mm-hmm. and and so many cultures, so many people eat fish. Farming fish might be the only way to keep fish in our lives, just like we farm, sure. um, just like we farm, uh, I wanted to say moose, but that's not a thing, uh, cows <laughs> and other animals for food. Farming fish is not a thing. So yeah. like learning this about fish, that some, that some of the farms are doing it in a way that maybe is polluting the fish, yeah. is not in the saying don't eat farmed fish, but it might be do your homework on your farmed fish. Maybe we yeah. can talk to those companies and get them to do practices that are less harmful to the fishes. Yeah. And I don't, know the, I don't know the answers. You've done some more on this. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 okay, there's a couple of implications with farm fish. There's the invasive species of farm fish. So what happens, is, especially with salmon or anything that's open pen. So salmon are raised indoors, like in a, in a facility, uh, when they go through their river phase. But then when they have to have their saltwater phase, they get put in these open pens. Yeah. The problem right now... And for Atlantic salmon, that's been a lot of times in like the Puget Sound area of Washington State, which has been a huge problem, exactly. right? Exactly. So they'll take Atlantic salmon and farm them in the Pacific. And then so if they get out like they did uh, last summer... And the summer before that. And the summer before that. <laughs> it happens um, every year. Yeah. And, 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 
and so it just it in, it invades you know you eventually get an invasion or or a, an acute sort of event where there's an invasion of of atlantic salmon eventually they're going to start to figure out that they can live there you know and you're going to see start to see more atlantic salmon uh in the pacific which is bad just because there's atlantic salmon in the pacific it's gonna it's gonna mess with the dynamics of the pacific salmon they're going to compete it's going to be bad the other thing is how they raise them mm-hmm. with with anything farming and you look at anything from like if you compare it to organic farming to sort of these um what do you call the warehouse farms or whatever they call them industrial farming you know you're trying the the farmers and industrial farming and the work same with aquaculture is you're trying to grow the fish as fast as you can and with the most sort of meat on it that you can and sell it so you want to sell them big sell them heavy and then you get the most money for them well the problem of doing that is when you actually raise them that way they're not it's not a normal way of raising them it's it's not waiting the one or two years you're waiting less time and to do that you use you potentially use hormones you optimize feed which may not be good for them in the long run um you get disease well and that so the disease is really important i'm gonna i'm gonna steer you a little bit here Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And so these salmon pens um if you if you look at what a wild school of salmon might look like versus a pen school is you have a crowding problem right yes and so if you are condensed as a very very small area with a lot of other people or salmon or whatever animal you are and one of your people or your fish gets sick that disease spreads very very quickly throughout the entire system yeah, uh, and and this is the this is the big problem here is that it was crowded pens, um, and they found in uh, Norway, they found that uh, salmon anemia virus has spread across the entire country um, from the farmed fish, starting with farmed salmon, and that's kind of the big scare here. And um, the solution because, might because be because some of the salmon from Norway is also over here because they exactly switch, right they trade. Yeah. They tr- yeah, but and they escape and they'll 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 mix with other groups of fish. But in Norway, they've they've actually all, a lot of the salmon in the wild salmon have even become infected from yeah. the raised the farm raised fish where they're native. Uh, so it's been a big problem there. So crowding is a huge problem. I don't know the answers. It might be open pens might be good in a lot of ways too, as far as like. Um, you know, being able to feed more people easier, yeah. easier. but the, you know, I think the solution is unfortunately the the prices are going to have to go up on fish <laughs> that are yeah. farm oh, raised, for sure. for and sure. especially to do it in a way more sustainable, organic. I, I don't even care what's organic, but more sustainable way, uh, yeah. because you have to thin these herds down a little bit so your diseases aren't such a problem. There's no, yeah. not to mention um, the whole other problem. Have you heard of dead zones? Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. So under the pens, the animals poop, and it just kills the water under the pens, and uh, it's all bad news. Uh, and, and that and that depends. So that like that was a, a big thing a while ago, and it still is to a certain point. But it, that's all with the sighting of the pens. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of modeling that goes on to make sure that there's enough current to wash out all that waste that goes to the bottom. Like you talk about the crowded pens and all this, all the crap that comes down. It gets washed off, so it gets a little. It, it goes away more often it gets diluted more often but of course it continues to happen so as long as that current's there you're usually okay if it's not you got you got some problems you got some yeah problems. well then we get to a marketing problem okay so we're, we're always marketing you have to eat more fish eat more fish it's healthy it's high in omega-3 fatty acids all the stuff we need and then you go to the store and farmed atlantic salmon six dollars a pound yeah. So, or, or you get a wild caught something else and you're at like 22 dollars a pound what are you going to buy most people yeah. Six dollars a pound. So there's yep. a problem there where we don't know what we're buying or why we're buying it, and it goes right yep. back into that con- con- conservation talk about sustainability anyway. And absolutely, I, I don't. I almost think there should be indices on fish. So like, if you buy it, it should be a chart. You know, this this fish is not raised sustainably. Therefore, there's a high, there's a tariff or a tax on that to pay for the problems in the back end. That that price would make up the price difference between a sustainable fish and a and a fish that's not sustainable. People would choose the better fish. It's funny. I just had the same conversation. I'm going to get in trouble for that one, by the way. No, that's okay. I had the yeah. same conversation with, uh, with uh, a friend of mine, Lynn Morissette, who was on the podcast. Uh, we asked the question, should seafood companies pay in a, into a conservation fund to help Absolutely. reestablish fishing? Yes. You know, because they're the ones, especially these big corporations. I'm not talking about the artisanal fishers, the, the small-time fishers, but the big corporations who control everything. Should they should they be paying back into a fund because they're the ones who are causing the trouble, including aquaculture companies? They're the absolutely ones are yeah. And here, I don't know if if you guys get in New Hampshire, but here in Ontario, people will very little people will buy 
anything farmed because there's just this stigma with it that farmed is bad. They will rather buy wild and pay for the wild than get the farm. Uh, and there's this video going around of a, of a, a, a salmon that's in a store. I don't know if it's a Costco or wherever, but it's in a store where there's this little like sea lice that's coming in that's in the salmon. I've seen that, yeah. Right, and everybody's seen it. And of course, that is is like killing the whole farm salmon thing because they're like, look, this is it. Now, I've looked every time I buy salmon and in it because we buy I buy farm salmon and I look at it and I'm like, there's nothing there. Like this no. is really, like, well. Look, you know, the problem like, with oh. using a parasite as your sales tool or your anti-sales tool doesn't work because fish are covered in parasites. Wild caught, yeah. farm raised. Yep. I mean, yep. wild caught, wild caught chinook salmon have what's called a salmon tapeworm in them. Yep. You cut one that's fresh, never been frozen. You're going to find parasites in these fishes. Yeah. Is that a reason not to buy it? Nope. There might be other reasons, but don't let the, the parasites, you're going to cook the fish. Don't sweat the parasites. <laughs> and I'll tell you, the, but, I, I think the biggest thing, if people are afraid of, of eating farm salmon, is stop eating salmon. Oh, yeah. Just eat something else that's sustainable because salmon yeah. is sold. I went, I went to, to Mexico with a, on a family trip and they were trying to sell me salmon. And oh, I'm like, how are you, like, why would I eat salmon here? Well, you're in Mexico. When I'm in Mexico. I get it in Canada all the time. Like, I'm in Mexico. Give me something local that's sustainable and it'll support local fishing. I don't want something from up north. I just came from up north to get away from up north. Well, it goes, it goes back to, you're seeing this on, in, in the trend of food anyway, is eat local. Uh, that, leads, that leads, that's the fastest path to sustainability is eating Absolutely. local. Unfortunately, you're in Ontario, so screw you on the seafood. But um, well, yeah, well, hey, but, that's, but no, but that's see, that's the thing is, why should I eat seafood if, I, if I'm in Ontario? I should be eating pickerel. I should be yeah. eating trout. I should, you know, I should be eating the local fish that's here because they're delicious. You know, they are and, good. And, but turns out like, they taste like fish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I, by the way, I, th I think salmon are the most overrated seafood yeah. there is as far as flavors go. There's so many good things to eat. So anyway, just so something to ponder. We don't have answers, but. Um, but, uh, but the other thing I want to do is be careful with these articles when you're sharing them around because this is from hol healthyholisticliving.com, yeah. which yes. just in the website title alone, there's a giant bias right there. And, and not everything they're going to give you is, well, it may be accurate, but it's also a lot cherry-picked. Um, yeah. So that, I'm not calling them liars, but they also will cherry pick the data to make the article uh, seem as extreme. Just like yeah. a lot of other places are, they're they're manipulated and stuff. You talk about yeah. like GMOs, non-GMO fish, and you're just like, same yeah. DNA, same well, DNA. Uh, my favorite, my favorite GMO. I'm gonna kind of go on a quick tangent here. Is as I have friends like, I don't eat GMO uh, proteins, and I'm like, well, why not? We don't know what our body does with that. And I, I say, yes, we we do. Your body synthesizes protein the same. It, it, it doesn't know the difference. It, yep. it knows yep. what to do with protein. There's no added, like, there's not a thing added to it. You want to say no, no hormones, well, yeah. we can have a conversation. But, like, yeah. GMOs don't mean there's a big chemical difference in the outcome of the meat. It's just meat. Exactly. So, they haven't, yeah, they haven't changed it. It's, it's the exact same. They just reproduced it. In right. It might grow faster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which but is not then, bad. But yeah. not, that doesn't mean that. Like GMO yeah. just means like they've just replicated the DNA of that fish or protein, whatever your source it is. And it's just growing like that. So I love, I always love how non-GMO, everybody's like, oh, I don't eat anything GMO. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you do. You just don't realize it. Yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> most things are GMO. Well, they're imagine they're if you GMO. were eating corn the way it originally grew, <laughs> you know, the three yeah. inch little cobs of corn that well, were inedible, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the news. All right, before we wrap up, Andrew, uh, what's been your biggest challenge with promoting your podcast, getting new listeners? How you, what's been your biggest challenge? I think it's reaching new audiences. Yeah. That's the, that's the biggest challenge, right? It's, and it's, it's going on other podcasts like I'm doing now and like you do with mine and others. And, and I think it's, uh, it's, getting, it's getting to in front of people who listen to podcasts mm -hmm. and getting them to listen to mine. Because um, I don't, even, a lot of times I don't even bother with people who don't listen to podcasts. It's a it's a time suck, right? Yeah. yeah. So what I what I the, the, if you meet a podcaster, by the way, on the streets, this gets to the audience, not to you, Andrew. This is to the audience. If you meet a podcaster and they say, "Hey, I make a podcast," the biggest compliment you can do to them is take your phone out yeah. and subscribe right in front of them. Yeah. Don't say, "I'll listen later when I have time." Don't go. Yeah. I'll check it out. Get your phone out, even if you're never going to listen. Yeah. They're they're making artwork. Show them you care about them. Get your phone Absolutely. out and Absolutely. show them that you're subscribed to their podcast. Um, 
it makes a big difference and it's every single listener is super duper important uh andrew knows this i know this uh, we have to value each person uh and it's really great so that's a big challenge and what's the big message you're pushing these days what's your big uh you have like a, a, a issue that you like your pet issue uh well right now it's it's politics right it's, mm-hmm. it's with everything going on in the states a lot most of my audience 90 percent of my audience is in the u.s uh and there's obviously a lot of policy being put against science in general against uh the environment and and, and for fossil fuels and coal and all that kind of stuff and uh, well, we got to put those coal miners back to work. Got to put those coal miners back yeah, to work. Because we my, need more coal. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and the big thing is for me is to tell people, look, if you don't like it, if you don't like it, talk to your, right now, talk to your, to your local representatives, your state and, and Congress, congressperson who's in, who's in charge of your area, others as well, or hook up with some nonprofits who are doing the same thing. There are a lot of nonprofits who are well-connected politically on both sides of, of the aisle. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Republicans, they like the environment. If they can get the environment, you get the right angle, boom, you can get them in. And if they're allowed to do it from the party lines, they'll do it. Um, but the big thing that I always tell people is, like, if you, if you really don't like it and you don't like it, run for office. Yeah. You know, the Congress, the, the, you guys are about to elect some congressmen, Congress people and senators, I think, and a couple of sure. senators. I, like, run for If you really don't like it, run for audience and change. Like, be that change. And that's, that's my big message right now is just to to be that change we had that in canada there's a lot of changes whether people agree with it or not a lot of changes we see a lot more women in politics right now which is amazing in here in canada in the cabinet we've had the most women appointed to as head of the of these departments as ministers than we've ever had before minorities as well like get out and show who you are and 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 what you believe in yeah, and you can vote with your wallet too, which says a lot. So buy things Absolutely. that make sense for the environment and make sense Absolutely. for your family. Yeah. And just think about the future. Every time you buy something, think, is it, am I helping or hurting? And, exactly. And make that move. And you're not going to always win. You know? No. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's just you're, you're just stuck between a rock and a hard place. Sometimes you've got to buy a bottle of water. <laughs> you don't true. have a choice. You need the water. You know? It's true. I yeah, um, completely understand there. But there's a lot of ways you can, you can, um, you can change. There's a lot. And it's small steps. And that and it leads to bigger steps and and once you get hooked you get hooked right so it's a bit addictive once you find out um, yeah. how to do things yeah and you know and don't be hard on people <laughs> yeah bring them bring them with you don't don't pick a fight yeah yeah and provide alternatives too it's like yeah. you can say ban the plastic bags but it's like well yeah we got reusable bags right here you know yeah so. and we do um, at our house we have my kids love drinking from straws so we do paper straws. Yeah, yep. they work great because they're not you're not drinking for hours you're drinking for minutes so exactly. they don't last yeah. you can't reuse yeah, exactly. them but they work for your quick smoothie in the morning yeah. so it's not yeah. bad so we do glass straws and they yeah. actually last a lot longer than i expect i thought they'd break because i have two kids young kids no nope. mm-hmm. they've been lasting us for like five years so far yeah for my iced coffee which is my summertime addict i have a metal straw which i like Perfect. and i feel like it's colder the liquid's colder coming up there and it's great careful though there might be some tariffs on that well, I already own it. <laughs> oh, true, true. You don't have to keep buying it, which is great, right? You That's right. It. That's right. I've already bought them. Tax-free in New Hampshire. All right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we, all right. Let's wrap this show up, Andrew. So that's it. You've listened to a couple of fish nerds when you should have been fishing. We'd like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast, go on fishing quests, and do all silly things that nerds do. And we do a lot of silly things, even 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 a serious podcast like yours. Special thanks to Andrew Lewin from Speak Up for Blue. You can find everything at speakupforblue.com. Is that right? That's right. Absolutely. That's speakupforblue.com. It's the site. Good. Uh, and so until next time, follow the code of the fish nerds. Spawn early and often. Never trust a free lunch with strings attached. And swim against the current every chance you get. My daughter asked me what does spawn early and often mean. And it makes me want to rethink my tagline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Hey, I hear you, man.